In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hillgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, and I'm joined tonight by former Georgia wide receiver and damn good dog, Chris Durham. Chris, what's up, man? Good to see you again. Oh, I'm happy to be back, guys. I mean, I uh, enjoyed the first go around. Couldn't, couldn't wait to join again. Yeah, so uh, how, are things in, how are things in your neck of the woods? Things going well for you? Yeah, everything's been going pretty well. I mean, uh, you know, just... Uh, trying to keep pushing through 2020 to get to 2021 like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, we're almost there, brother. Six weeks out. <laughs> yeah, and we expect it to just January 1st, everything just goes back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody's hoping it gets hope that that it turns out that way. Um, well, so I'm interested to kind of talk with you about the the dog season so far. I think you'll have some some unique insight. I guess first, just just start us off with what have your thoughts been from watching the season thus far? What have your takeaways been six games in? Uh, it's probably pretty similar to everyone's. I mean, we have played decent on defense. We started out really hot and really fast, and in the last, you know, since Alabama, we've given up a lot of points, um, not forced as many turnovers, and just, you know, we've kind of been outplayed. Um, offensively, you know, you've seen some good runs, especially like the first play of the game against Florida, but then you turn around and it's, you know, we get three and outs, and quarterback play is not great, but then even when he is playing well, um, when Stetson's playing well, guys aren't making plays for him, so you got – you know, you got receivers that are dropping balls. You have, you know, just different aspects of the game that are costing us. It's more that we're beating ourselves. I mean, even if you take a look at Florida, the drop passes, you know, we had guys that were wide open down, you know, behind the defense and we miss them. Like there's small things that could have changed our way that could have very much impacted the outcome. You know, So it's just small, small certain things that we need to continue to work on to uh, get to the outcome that we want. Yeah. So I'm interested to get your take, not only as a former player, but, you know, you have looked at the game through a coach's eyes as well. And, you know, you had said, even when you, you went and watched the dogs play in the national title game, you kind of see things just from the eyes of a player. And I'm interested to get your opinion on the offensive scheme under coach Munkin. Cause I think what, at least what we've seen on our side is that, the schemes look good. I mean, we've seen a lot more, it seems like, lanes for receivers, open looks for receivers this season than last. Yeah. I mean, are, are you seeing that? Does it seem different than the past couple years? There, he's doing a good job at using concepts that get guys space. Um, and usually, you know, the throws are, you know, wherever they are. Like, the guys are getting open. They're able to use – you know, their abilities, whether it's speed or, you know, whatever their abilities are, he's using them in the correct manner. Because sometimes coaches, they coach their system and you have to fit their system as opposed to, I feel like he's use, he's making his system fit the players, which, is, you know, there's two different scenarios and philosophies with that. Like I've played for coaches where you had to fit, this is what they're going to run regardless of who's in. And then there's certain coaches that want to put, their players in the best opportunities succeed. So, you know, I think that he's done a good job at that, especially with, you know, us down, you know, in our quarterback room. Um, and, you know, it looks like things are changing and not to take anything away from Stetson. I think he's played, you know, fairly well. Um, you know, he's a great story, but at some point, you know, it goes from being a story to, you know, we need to see, some production. I mean, he's had the opportunities to be productive. He's been put in situations to be productive. And unfortunately, you know, I wish, I wish he would have been more productive. I wish he would have had, you know, but from the second half of the Alabama game until now, it's just not worked. And so you, you, you need to make a change. And that's my personal opinion. And no, I'm not in the practice every day, but that's something that 
Coach Smart and the rest of the guys, you know, they see them every day. So he's going to play who's practicing the best. And obviously that means that Stetson has been practicing the best. Whether you like to hear that or not, that's got to be the answer as to why he's been the starter. Yeah, I've found it interesting this year. There seems to be amongst the fan base some conspiracy theory that Coach Smart is not playing JT Daniels because he just doesn't want to play JT Daniels. And it, it just seems insane to me. Like, uh, it, I feel like if you've heard Coach Smart speak one time, you understand that he's one of the more competitive people on the planet. And this notion that he's just going to actively sit the best option because he feels like it, it just seems insane to me, number one. Um, number two, I don't know if we'll ever get the full story, but you just can't convince me that there's not something more there with JT, whether it's a health thing or they just, you know, he hasn't had live reps in that environment for, you know, over a year and a half and didn't, didn't have the spring period to try and do all that. I mean, I guess, could you speak on that a little bit too, just from your experience with, with dealing with injuries? What is that like coming back from injury like that, especially when your, your legs are such a big, big basis for what you do on a football field? Well, luckily I've, you know, my lower body extremities that I've ever, ever hurt were ankles. Um, you know, and I was fortunate enough to not really have anything wrong with my knee that would keep me out. I mean, I've had shoulder surgeries. I missed my fourth year. Um, so what would have been my senior year in Georgia because of my shoulder. And then my rookie year, I got the other one. Um, and when you come back from an injury, you're a bit gun shy. Um, you know, you are... I don't want to say feeling your way through it, but like you're feeling your way through it. You're used to being able to do this motion or do this or do that. And you're no longer able to do that. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just part of it. You're coming back and you need to get comfortable and it's psychologically, you may be completely 100% healthy, but something in your head is stopping you um and that could be something that's going on with jt i don't know i mean and he also he could have had needed another you know scope job to get his knee back right like we don't know the full story i mean and at the same time he got there what in the summer yep and so he may not have been comfortable with the playbook he may not have been practicing well who knows i mean i don't want to put this out there as a negative but you know when he he was the number one recruit in the country and then he reclassified went to usc as what should have been a high school senior and started you know as basically a high school senior right kid obviously has a lot of talent but is he a team guy does he fit what coach smart and the rest of the staff want or is he looking out for himself right now like we don't know what's going on i mean there's so many scenarios that you can run through your head and be like this is why he's not playing this is not why he's not playing ultimately it is the guy that's sitting there making whatever seven eight million dollars a year and he's the one making decisions him and his staff are the ones making decisions and they know more than anybody else they also know that it's time to make a change and that's why we've seen in the media that it looks like there's going to be a different quarterback under center come saturday what's it like from the player's perspective when one of the goals is always to win the east and go to atlanta and Mm -hmm. when that is seemingly, I mean, outside of something insane happening and, and Florida dropping two games, um, that's not on the table for Georgia anymore. So these last four games are about development and putting yourself in the best position for, you know, hopefully a New Year's Day Bowl for the platform for the program. What is it like as a player when, I guess, the the goals shift from, okay, this is where we were, and this is where we're at now and what we have left to do kind of how does that all evolve from the player's mindset? How do guys stay motivated and how do they keep pushing uh, at this point in the season? You know, it's not hard to stay motivated. I mean, I understand that maybe a national championship or maybe an SEC championship seems to be out of reach, but we've seen crazier things happen. I mean, you never know, like Florida could turn around, they could lose a game, and then all of a sudden there's an injury bug or there's this or they just play a bad game or two. Like, it happens. So you continue to play because of, A, this is what you're working towards. This is what you're trying to do. You're trying to put a great film on there. You're trying to solidify your position or gain more reps um, because you're a competitor. And so you don't get 
in the sense of, hey, I'm looking towards next year. Hey, if I'm a draft eligible kid, I'm like, no, I'm going towards the NFL. No, it's, you know, you kind of stay in the moment. This is, you know, this is, you chose this school for a reason and you represent them. And that's always been my mindset is that continue to work and you continue to get better because you only get so many reps. You never know when your last rep's going to be. So you might as well take advantage of it. So some interesting non, well, I guess it's football news, but not exactly football news, but something that I feel like would pique your interest because of your history with it. But seems like there was a video coming out of a, an Ath, Athens uh, seamstress shop this week that dogs might be wearing a different color uniform this week. Fan base a little bit ginned up about that. Uh, so it seems like the black black jerseys I may be in play. something about the black jerseys maybe. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I yeah. I heard something about – I heard a little rumbling. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Then go get it done. Just don't play like we did against Alabama. <laughs> play like we did against Auburn and Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, let me ask you a little bit about this Mississippi State team just because – I don't know. I feel like they were the post week one posh pick to make a run and, and have a, have a little bit of a year. And obviously coach Leach is an electric personality. We talk about him a bunch on this show just cause he's so entertaining, but they've had a funny year. Um, KJ Costello has struggled and there's just even, I think been some weird dialogue out of Starkville from coach Leach. It seems like there's some some there's weird dialogue from him every year. Well, that's fair. That's definitely fair. But it's been less about pirates in Key West and more about him like actually making I feel like for him anyways, somewhat explosive comments about his football team about weeding out players and, and getting guys in that want to be there. And I get all that, but um just seems like they got some things going on down there. What what have your thoughts been watching that program from afar this year? Well, you see what they did the first week and then you turn around and look at LSU this year and it's like where, what happened to the LSU of last year? I know they had they you know they had a lot of guys leave. Then they had a ton of guys opt out, and it's just like, you know, what happened with that program? But it's the same as a new coach that always comes in. There's always guys that just don't relate to the new guy. What I mean, they he didn't recruit them. They didn't sign with him in mind as being their head coach. So, you know, it does take time to adjust, and they have an entire new you know, system as far as offensively, they're going to have new coaches on the defensive staff, special teams, like everything is new and you try to set a precedent. You try to set, you know, your, whatever your theme or whatever, just same as with when coach Mark came to Georgia, it's no longer Mark Rick air. It's the Kirby smart air. So regardless of who was there before that, you haven't clean slate and some guys who probably played a lot the last year, not playing as much, and vice versa. So it just comes with having a mindset and getting the guys that you believe are going to fit your system and are going to be successful. So, you know, guys have to be willing to accept and work towards that. Or, you know, if they don't like it, then, you know, that's why you can transfer these days. I mean, that's just my opinion. I was never one for transferring. I was always for about competing. And I signed with Georgia to go to Georgia. I didn't sign because Mark Richt was there because he could always leave. I didn't sign because Mike Bobo was going to be the offensive coordinator, my receiver coach. I went to Georgia because that's the school I loved. And that's the school I wanted to be a part of. Yeah, so that was another thing I wanted to talk to you about. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, obviously, big news out of Columbia this week with them letting Coach Muschamp go. And it seemed like a very, um, I think, obvious transition to have Coach Bobo be the interim coach given his yeah, his history at Colorado State and then his knowledge of the SEC with being at Georgia. Um, do you think he is a long-term fit there or do you see them looking outside the program for coach Muschamp's long-term replacement? Um, you know, the rumor is from what I've heard, people are looking at you freeze at Liberty. You know, I've heard, um, Oh, what's his name? The one that played at Furman was at, Clemson, now the coach over at Louisiana. Um, oh, uh, Billy, Billy Napier. Napier. Yeah, Billy Napier. Uh, from Murray County, Georgia. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, I've heard his name. I've heard uh, the offensive coordinator there at Clemson. I forget. Oh, I keep wanting to say Scott's his name. Um, I've heard his. But, you know, for Coach Bobo, I think this is an opportunity for him to 
get these guys, you know, their their best corner just opted out for the rest of the season for yep. some reason. But, you know, he's a great coach, great guy, great coach. And I think that he will be able to rally those guys to finish strong. Um, you know, I, I loved him during my time. I mean, for me, he was always a great motivator. He was always a very intelligent offensive mind and i think that he'll do a great job at getting the guys ready i mean they've lost they put up points even if they have lost this year they have put up some points so you know we'll see i hope the hope that he does really well and that he does have you know the opportunity to stay you know whether it's at south carolina or another sec school or even acc school i hope he gets a power five head coaching job soon yeah i thought their offense has looked pretty good. I mean, better than last year. I thought, you know, they, they have a cohesive plan. They're, they're putting some points on the board. I think Colin Hill has done some, some good things. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we're always rooting for coach Bobo. I hope he does great this last few games and maybe, um, gives himself a little bit of juice going into trying to get that job. Um, I have a question for you that boss and I have been banding in about, and I don't know if we have the same opinion on it, but there's been a lot, obviously, throughout this season so far of scuttlebutt about the offense and the offense's shortcomings, and that's why Georgia's sitting at 4-2 and two and not 6-0. and oh. And look, man, there's, there's certainly some merit to that. The offense hasn't been fireworks or anything. But for me, um, I think everybody's expectation was that the defense was going to be where Georgia hung their hat this year. Yeah. That defense was going to be where they – kind of based everything off of they were going to dominate on the defensive side of the ball and do just enough on offense to get where they wanted to go. And for me, evaluating everything, and I know there have been injuries, but for me, the story of the 2020 season is in the two quote unquote biggest games on Georgia's schedule, Georgia's defense gave up 40 plus points. And um, it's hard for me to reconcile that. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. You can't win giving up 40 points. I don't care, you know, who you are. That that just – you won't win. You need to do a few things to win games. You have to win at least two of the three. got to win special teams and offense or special teams and defense. And the way our offense is set up is it's going to be a 20-point game and you're going to have to win on defense. Um, you know, we're not running with Oklahoma's offense or one of these high-powered Ohio State-type offenses you know we are more ground and pound and we're going to hit a few good passes on you and we're going to score 24 to 30 points a game and we're going to win fortunately that's we're not a track meet type team so if they start scoring a point and i mean it was similar to oklahoma in the rose bowl we were not made for that type of atmosphere we were lucky that we had a lot of great players on defense and we had a lot of great players on offense that stepped up and made plays, but it was a track meet. We weren't made up for that for the entire year. Yeah. We can do it for a game or two games or whatever, but you know, when you're playing the Alabama's, the, you know, Alabama's, the Florida's and teams like that, that are really good this year, you're, you have to step up your defense. That's how you're going to win, especially with our offense. So, you know, it's, that's what we hang our hat on and that's what we're going to live by. And that's what we're going to die by. And unfortunately for us this year, it's what's happened. We have not been able to win the games because we have not been able to stop, you know, stop the, uh, the quarterbacks from throwing for a lot of yards and throwing for a lot of touchdowns. Just, I don't really have an answer. That's why I'm not a defensive coach. I like seeing offense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're used to trying to beat them. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, and I, it's maybe it's not a, a completely fair comparison because, look, man, there's something to be said for not having your best defensive lineman and the quarterback of your defense in Richard LeCount playing safety against the most explosive or one of the two most explosive offenses that you've faced all year. So I do think there's something to that, so I'm not yeah, trying to, to throw it all on the defense. But I just think that if if that's the unit that's supposed to carry you, sometimes they've got to make big plays to carry the unit that nobody expects to carry you in the offense. And if you had told me before the Florida game that Georgia was going to go up 14, nothing, and they were going to score 28 points, I'd have bet the mortgage they're going to win the football game because I just, I wouldn't have thought that Georgia would have given up 28 points, much less 
whatever it ended up being, 44. Yeah. And obviously some some weird stuff. Stetson got hurt. I didn't think he was playing that bad. And maybe the offense kind of stays juiced up a little bit if, if he hadn't got hurt. It was – the offense was sputtering a little bit. Um, obviously they had that first play of the game where they were running, had the big run. But then it was, you know – and then they scored again on the next drive. But then there was a couple, like, three and outs and stuff like that. Right there, they started sputtering a little bit, and that's when kind of the wheels fell off. My biggest thing that I think about is, like, okay, there's, you know, the count's out. Who's going to step up? Like, they always talk to you. You're, you're one play away. You're one play away. You're one play away. And we've had a top recruiting class for the last four or five years. So the guys that should be there are the top recruits in the country, are these guys that have been in the program for a little while. Even if they are young, they've been in the program now for most guys coming early. So, you know, I know 2020 has been a weird year, but you've played enough football to go in there and now it's your time to shine. Go make a play. You know, it's just, um, I mean, there is an experience and there is, things that you go through as you gain more and more and more. And I have two cousins that play at Clemson. So I've had to talk to um, the receiver. I've had to talk to Brandon quite a bit because he's a redshirt freshman. So it's his first year ever playing. And he started a game, um, two or three games mm-hmm. ago, the one before they played Notre Dame. And I was talking to him because he's frustrated. And I'm like, you're one play away from Amari Rogers right. being out and you being the starter. Well, they had an injury. So he came in and started. They moved Amari outside. And I was like, look, you're starting. But that's not the goal. Your goal wasn't to be a starter and to play 40 plays a game. Your goal is to contribute. So it doesn't matter if you have five plays. It doesn't matter if you have 40. When the ball comes your way, go make a play. Be where that quarterback needs you to be. Go make that block because, you know, you have a running back that needs you to go make that block. And that's how I preach to him. And that's the same thing I would say to any player, whether offensively, defensively, whatever. If you have five plays a game, Make sure that you show out on those five plays. If you have 40 plays a game, make sure that you show out on your 40 plays because it's not guaranteed. I mean, I'm sitting here talking about it. My life, my career is over. Like, I don't have any more plays. You know, some of these guys, they'll go on and play 10 years in the league. Some of them, this may be their last opportunity. So you never know, regardless of who you are, injuries happen, things happen. You just need to continue to work hard. So. That's what I would emphasize to whoever steps in is that, hey, you were a big, big time player in high school. You have made it obviously to Georgia. Like, go make a play. That guy that was that you're playing against was a big time recruit as well. Who's better? You or him? And man on man, go make a play. That's just the mentality that I've developed. And that's the way I think. So might be for some, it might not be. But that's um, that would be my advice is. You know, hey, next man up, it's your turn. Go go do what you do. Show why you're here. Well, that's a great way to look at it. I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow as these next four games come up is, is what guys kind of take their chance and run with it and, and get some momentum for themselves going into to spring and then and then catapulting into 2021, hopefully. Well, hey, let's uh let's pick some games. Pretty interesting slate okay. this week. Uh, a lot of a lot of rank on rank games this week, and just some compelling games throughout some of the different conferences. So let's start with um, one of the cooler surprises of the young season. The Hoosiers from Indiana going to to Ohio State this weekend uh, to play the Buckeyes. Ohio State is favored by twenty and a half in Columbus, but but no fans. So not getting the, the benefit of the horseshoe really. Who you got in that one? Um originally I was thinking Indiana just because they played well, but when you sit and look at it, Indiana has played well and they've been like they've taken opportunities against bad teams. You know, they haven't played against an explosive offense like Ohio State's going to have. So when you look at the spread, I still think Ohio State will win. It'll be late in the fourth quarter when they go up by more than 20. But I think that their firepower is just too much. They're going to wear down the Indiana defense. And by midway, early to midway through the fourth quarter, they'll go up by over 20. 
So boss sent me his picks for the week and he is taking Indiana for a backdoor cover. He thinks they cover late. Um, thanks Ohio state wins and wins pretty comfortably, but thanks Indiana will catch a backdoor cover. I'm real conflicted on this. This number is just enticing enough where it makes me want to kind of roll the dice with IU, but I'm kind of with you. I think that Ohio state is just going to have better athletes. And most importantly, at the most important position in the field, they may have the best athlete in the country in Justin Fields. And I forgot where he started his career. Yeah, I, you know, I, he's, this new kid, I, I just haven't really known a lot about him. But <laughs> yeah, so I just think he's going to make some plays, and I do think he is on a mission this year to just show that that he is the best player in the country, and I think he's going to use every week as a stage to to perform. So. I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I think Ohio State covers. It may be late, but I think they do cover. I just think their talent's going to win out. So the next one is a is a fun belt game. We've picked the Coastal Carolina game every week this season just because they've kind of been a fun story, right? And actually a pretty big game this week. They play App State, who's great program historically. They know how to put together a football team in Bowdoin, North Carolina. And uh, playing on the teal turf in Conway, South Carolina, Coastal is favored by five and a half. You like them to stay undefeated and cover? Yeah, they're going to cover. I mean, App State, they've played well. I've watched, I think, one or two of their games. But, you know, I think I've actually seen one game of Coastal and one game of App. Um, So I'll take Coastal. I mean, I don't know too much about the program, but they're a good story. Let's see if they can continue it. I think they were ranked, like, top 15 or so. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, boss has them covering too. I'm going to take them to cover as well. It's funny. I was texting with him about it. I'm like, you know, I've picked them pretty much every week this year just because I love their story and it's kind of fun and and all those things. I I don't think I could tell you one player on their team. I don't think I could name one player. I couldn't. But I'm not ashamed about it. I, I love them. I'm all for them. I, I hope they do great. I hope they keep it rolling. Love me a good fun belt game. That'll be some action at noon. There we go. Um, okay, this is another interesting game for a number of reasons. Uh, Wisconsin has looked very good in the two games they've gotten to play. Had a three-week intermission because of COVID concerns. They are going to Northwestern to play a surprising Northwestern team who some folks are feeling like is real. Yeah. And um, – Wisconsin is a road favorite by seven and a half. Um, who do you like in that one? Northwestern. I'm a Pat Fitzgerald guy. I like him. I've always liked them. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's the beautiful campus they got sitting there in Chicago. But I think that Wisconsin shot their shot against uh, last week at Michigan. I think when they they may have they may come in a little overconfident. I think that. Northwestern's for real. I've always liked them. I love their coaching staff. So I'm going to go with Northwestern to cover. I don't know if they'll win, but I think they'll cover. Yeah, let me see here who Boss has got in that game. So he is taking – he's taking Wisconsin in that one to cover. I'm with you. I'm taking the Wildcats. I'm also a Pat Fitzgerald believer. I think it's impressive to do what he's done at a school like that. Let's be honest, okay? They're not supposed to be competitive at football at a school like that. They're just not. And I think because of the player he was when he was there and kind of, I just, he just seems like a bulldog, right? Like, doesn't he seem like a player where you would just love to play for him? And that's the thing is he has the greatest, like he's in like the best situation possible. They have a ton of money. They're sitting there right in a beautiful city their facilities overlooking the lake yep. and you can win eight games a year and keep your job. Yep. Like the best situation ever. Yeah. And can we talk about that facility? Their practice facility is insane. Insane. It's unreal. <laughs> it's, it's unreal. Unreal. And it might be the nicest in the country. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine just checking out the lake while you're, while you're getting some seven Oh seven skeleton work? <laughs> be incredible. I mean, have you ever seen, have you ever seen, um, Seattle's, so when I was in Seattle, it's right up against Lake Washington. So people, when we would do our training camp, like people would pull up on boats onto the lake and they could see our practice from the lake. Oh, that's I mean, sick. guys that live on the guys in the summer that live on the lake, you would see boats and jet skis and stuff pull up and park, and guys would come in there, work out. You know, we'd be done by noon and they'd jump back on their 
you know, see you and go back to their house. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's yeah, really cool. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful little, I mean, it's not Northwestern, but it's pretty nice. Oh, that's really, really cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. That's really cool. That's kind of, that's yeah. one of my, uh, that's one of my college football bucket list trips is I want to go to Washington and tailgate uh, on a boat. If you could hit a UW game, because their campus is unreal, it's right on the way too, and then hit that plus either a Mariners or uh, Seahawks game because they're right there downtown. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's Especially get good weather. Now that's the keys. If you can catch it at the right time and have good weather. Yeah, I'm in on that, man. I, that's that's a trip I'm wanting to make for sure. Well, so, all right, here, next one this week is I love me a rivalry game, and we got Bedlam this week. Uh, okay. Oklahoma State going to Norman to play Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a home favorite by six and a half. I feel like both those teams have been interesting this year. Um, Spencer Rattler's kind of been up and down, but explosive athlete. And um, Oklahoma State was having a good year and then got knocked off. Who, who do you like in that one? I've gone back and forth because I like you sit there and you watch Oklahoma's offense. You know, they have back-to-back Heisman winners. They have this Rattler kid who shows up and then suddenly disappears. Oklahoma State's defense has actually shown up this year. So I think that Oklahoma State is going to keep it close and they're going to cover the spread. So Oklahoma State's who I'm going to go with. Oklahoma may win, but Oklahoma State to cover. So boss has got Boomer sooner to cover. Um, man, I, I'm with this one like him about IU and OSU. I just feel like it's so tough to pick rivalry games in general, especially this one where I think, boy, they hate each other. I mean, like legitimate hate. And could there be two more different dudes on the planet than Lincoln Riley and Mike Van Gundy? Like they just seem like polar opposites in so many ways. Like Mike Gundy rocking the rocking the mullet, and I'm a man. I'm forty, and Lincoln Riley How long just seemed that? that had to be twelve years ago. It was a while, yeah, because he's he's over fifty now, so it's at least a decade. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. I Rattler's the I think. The he's key the in this. he really is because if he plays like he's capable of playing, Oklahoma can win by three touchdowns. Oh, because I don't, I don't think OSU has the the explosive offense they normally have. Um, but hey, man, it's a rivalry game; anything can happen. I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Boomer sooner. I think Rattler's gonna make a play and, and right, get so him to cover. I'm riding solo on this. <laughs> That's a good thing, man. Look, me and Boss, our picks have not been excellent this year. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you want to be different from us. Oh, I should have told you that too. Pretty sure I got to double check this with Boss. I think seven and three is the number yeah, to beat. I think that's what was so, told. To that's me. that's doable. Um, all right, next game we're getting into the SEC slate. Florida is going to Nashville to play Vandy. And this is more of a, is this enough points question? Uh, Florida's obviously going to win the football game, but do they cover 31 and a half? You know, a good buddy of mine, Mark Mattioli, is the DB coach at Vandy. Okay. And as bad as I want to root for him, I think Kyle Trask is going to put up a lot of points. And I think that Florida covers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so Boss is taking them too, and we always say we throw up in our mouth a little bit when we pick Florida. But I, I got to tell you, I, I think I'm going to pick them too. I, I, I don't think I've picked them all year, yeah. but I'll tell you, turning point for me. My brother and I went to the game in Jacksonville. Um, I was impressed with what they did schematically to kind of exploit some things against us. So I'll give Dan Mullen that. I've, I've hated on him a lot, but I, I do think they were ready for that game. Yeah. More importantly. I was very, very surprised at how many points they put up on Arkansas's defense. I think Sam Pittman has got to be considered for coach of the year in the SEC this year. I think that Barry Odom has got to be one of the top contenders for the Broyles Award um, because of what that defense has done. And so I was very surprised uh, that Florida came out and essentially just blew the doors off them. Um, And so, yeah, I I think I'm going to have to take them to cover, too. I'm I'm starting to be a believer in them as an offense, at least against the SEC East. (laughs) Um, And I'm with you, man. I just think they're at the point, too, where they're starting to be more than buzz about Kyle Trask as a Heisman candidate. And I think they're going to try and light the scoreboard up as much as they can to keep him in that conversation. So I think think the Gators have a big night in Nashville coming their way. (laughs) Good for them. All right, so the next one is one of my favorite rivalry trophies in college football, Battle for the Golden Boot, 
LSU, who has been a mess this year, is going to play one of the better stories of the year in Arkansas. LSU is a one and a half point uh, road favorite. Mm-hmm. Who do you like in that one? You know, LSU always has talent. They have Scott Linehan, who was my offensive coordinator in Detroit there. But as you alluded to, Arkansas has played in very well in every game except for Florida. LSU's mm-hmm. wins are Vandy and I think South Carolina. Yep. I'm picking Arkansas. Yeah, so Boss is picking Arkansas too. Boss has been on the Sam Pittman train a lot this year, and so have I, man. I love it. I loved Coach Pittman at UGA. I, I so, so love that he's been successful there because I felt like he kind of got – shafted a little bit when he got hired people are like oh well he got hired because they couldn't get their first six guys so i just love that he's gone in there and turned it around and again he's another one of these guys i imagine if you play for him it's easy to play for him like just a guy you'd love to put it on the line for so i'm with you and boss i'm i'm going pig suey i hope they i hope they beat i hope they beat lsu straight up i think it just to continue their season plus man they're working a win down that Auburn game should have been over. Like they got they got host. So yeah, they're they're a great story. All right, the next one is a very similar question, I think, to the Florida question. It's less about is this going to be tight and more about is it enough points? Uh, Kentucky is going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama, and Alabama is favored by thirty and a half. Do they cover that number, or or does Kentucky squeak in? Mac Jones going for the Heisman. Yes, they cover. I mean, yeah. they're going to try to light the scoreboard up again, just like Florida will. But no doubt, you know, that's try, they're probably going to be shooting for a shutout and score 50. Yeah, boss has taken roll tide too, and, and I'm in that same boat, man. I, Kentucky's offense makes Georgia's offense look like uh, the greatest show on turf when since when St. Louis had Torrey Holt and, and uh, Isaac Bruce yeah. and Kurt Warner flinging it around. I mean, their offense is just it's it's bad i mean real real bad and i just think alabama is going to boat race them all day um okay this is another one this number's interesting to me Mm -hmm. um i think both of these programs nobody really knows what they are this year um so tennessee's going to the plains to play auburn auburn is favored at home by 10 and a half who you like in that one depends on which auburn shows up yeah um, you know, Tennessee, besides when they played us, I don't think they've looked very good, you know, most games, but, uh, I'll probably go with Auburn to cover it's at home. Auburn with fans is usually a pretty tough Jordan Hare stadiums, pretty usually, you know, usually a pretty tough place to play. Um, you know, I think they'll show up. I think they'll beat Tennessee. So I'll take Auburn in this one. So, boss has taken Tennessee, and in parentheses, he texted me just to cover. <laughs> so he does not think they will win. <laughs> um, I'm with you. I'm going to take Auburn. I think that – I just think they have better playmakers on offense. Um, I know the one receiver for Tennessee had a good game against us, but offensively, man, I just – I don't see a lot from them. There's yeah. just not guys on that side of the ball that scare me, at least with Auburn. You know, you've got a guy like Seth Williams who is a dude. You've got – and you've got – and then you got the little Schwartz kid who's fast, fastest kid in the college football. He's lightning. Yeah. And so they've got some ability to, to blow some plays up, and they've put some points up in some games. I, t- you bring up a great point. Which Auburn team shows up? Um if it's the one we saw at LSU, uh, they could win by four touchdowns uh, because they'll just be head and shoulders better than Tennessee. Um, but I like them to cover that number. I think I think they'll they'll do that. I think they got the weapons to do that. Um, well, this one's got a little heartstring tug for you, Coach Bobo, coaching against Mizzou. Mizzou is a road favorite, six and a half points. Um, you like Missouri to cover that, or, or you like Coach Bobo to, well, to to spend some magic in Columbia? I'm I'm going to go with my heart over my head with this one. Um, <laughs> even with them losing, I forget his name, number one, the corner who opted out. You know, I want to see Coach Bobo show up and get a win. I mean, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see him. My guy Joe Cox is there too. I want to see both of oh, them. Oh, that's right. I want to see them. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I see them come out with a W, so I'm going to go with my heart with this one, and I'm going to choose South Carolina not only to cover but also get the win. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, I like that. So Boss is taking Mizzou, but he, he also texted me, but I will be rooting for Coach Bobo. <laughs> I'm, I'm all the way. I think Bobo's going to yeah. have a good game plan, and guys are going to want to show up and play hard for him and everything else. Yeah, I'm going to take South Carolina in this too. Um, I took them earlier in the year in a game just because I, I I have liked some of the stuff that I've seen from them. And whether or not it's it's filled up or not, I still think that's a good home field for them right. um, and, and a tough place to play. They'll have some atmosphere. It's a night game, which is great for them. Um, I have to ask you about this because it, it didn't happen on our air, but I, I will tell you that after we talk to you, we had Ray Fulcher on the show yep. and have had a couple great conversations with him. Awesome guy. And uh, he did an interview with DJ Shockley and Wes Blankenship on their, on their show, Shock and Ship. And DJ Shockley was asking about like, tell us like a story about when you were, when you were working with the team or whatever. And he said he was, he told this story about coach Bobo where he's like, yeah. So, you know, I used to work with the quarterbacks and so I'm working with coach Bobo and he's like, um, we had run the wrong play like three straight times and coach Bobo was just fired up and he just starts yelling. He's like, Vulture, get me a dip. And he's like, coach, I, we don't, we don't have any dip. And he's like, well then go to the convenience <laughs> store and get me some. <laughs> it's like, so I had to run to the convenience store and get coach Bobo. Dip. He had to run across the track over there to, to the little yeah. gas station. Yeah. Oh my God. I was on the floor. I was laughing. listening. To that. I thought that was hysterical. So I could see that too. Um, yeah. So yeah, that cracked me up. I had to bring that up. What a, what an excellent, excellent story. I'm so mad that we didn't glean that out of him when he came on and talked to us, but boy, that's an excellent story. <laughs> Bobo, such oh, I mean, I don't want to use the vocabulary that Bobo used towards me, but God, he is, can be a lot. <laughs> he, he can be a lot. I love, I love him. I love him a lot more after playing than I did. While yeah. I was oh, I, oh yeah. I've, I've had coaches like that. I, I totally get that. Well, um, all right. This is, this is the one we're always looking for every week. This is the dogs game. So Mississippi state, Mike Leach's wagon from Starkville's coming up to Athens, playing the dogs under the lights. Dogs may or may not be rocking the black jerseys. Um, Dogs are favored by 24 and a half. I'm going to be honest with you. That was a little surprising. For me too, brother. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I guess we'll just start there. How do you Have you ever have you ever went against Georgia? Mm, boss has. I don't think I've picked against them all year. No. I have definitely never really seen Georgia cover. <laughs> well, so that's the tough part for me is uh, I'm in like a pick 'em league with some buddies where we pick 10 games a week and we put like money in the pot at the beginning of the year. And I never pick them because it just takes the fun out of it for me because I'm just nervous the whole time anyways. And so like to have to think, Oh, I just, I don't just need them to win. I need them to win by X amount of points. It's like, no way I'm not going to do this. So this season doing this has been horrendous because <laughs> I've had to try and put a number around what I think they're going to do. And it's really hard for me to take off the rose tinted glasses that I wear when it comes to them, or sh- I guess we should say Georgia red tinted glasses. But uh, I don't know, man, that number was interesting to me though. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? You think they cover that? I mean, I'm going to choose for them to cover that, but <laughs> I mean, I'm probably like Coach Smart. I don't care if you win by one or 50 as long as you win. You know, it doesn't matter who you're playing. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Let's let's see uh, if the defense shows up because Mississippi State, they, they're going to be able to score some points. Like, that's the thing is, is that if they show up, they're going to show up and score a lot. So, hopefully the defense is ready. Hopefully JT Daniels is the quarterback and he comes out and we're able to do a, few, a little bit you know, different things out there. So I'll pick them to cover. Why not? <laughs> so, yep. So boss is taking them too. He texted me dogs big, which is big for him. He's, he's less of an optimist than I am when it comes to these type of things. So that really shook me. That maybe shook me more than the number itself is that he's like dogs big. And I'm like, Oh boy. Like, I mean, are we on the JT train or what? Like, I guess that's the other piece of it for me is I have no certainty as who's taking the snaps, right? And that messes with me because, dude, to to cover 24 and a half points, you got to score at least 25 points, right? Well, how am I going to prognosticate that if I don't know who's taking the snaps? I think, yeah, I mean, I think we put up 40. I think we'll put up 40 
plus. I think they are going to have something to prove after Florida, or I hope they do. I think they were chomping at the bit to play Mizzou. I mean, and obviously they didn't have any control over that. That didn't happen. But I think Mississippi State is about to get two weeks worth of pinup frustration from not just the offense, but maybe more importantly from a defense that's been maligned. And Is the, uh, the safety that knocked himself out, is he suspended first half? I forgot Ooh. it's signs. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, signs. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So he went out in the second quarter. So he's good. So he's good to He play. should be good. If I think he's be, able to play after a concussion. I thought I saw Kirby had said Monday that he's out of concussion protocol and available to play, which I do think that's big. Um, I thought Christopher Smith played just fine in place of Richard uh, at the Florida game. I thought the big shift happened. They were up 21-14, or maybe it was tied 21-21, when Lewis and Kyle Pitts had that huge collision and, and Lewis missed the rest of the game. I mean, he would have missed it anyways because of the concussion, but missed it because of the targeting. And I thought when he came out and Major Burns had to go in, you know, true freshman, I just thought there was a little bit of a drop-off there. And um, I think I'm think i I'm going to miss up the guy's name, but how do you say the guy at Mizzou? Coach Drinkwitz, is that how you say his last name? Drinkwitz? Drinkwitz? Something like that. He's, he, he had made a comment, which I just hadn't heard anybody say. He's like, you know, that number 16, yeah. is he's an eraser. And I had heard people say that about Richard before, but I had not heard another SEC coach say it about Lewis. So hearing that made me think, well, maybe that was bigger than I gave it credit for. So him being back is big. I I just think defensively they are so full of talent that if you're not playing in Alabama or Florida, that's going to win out. Um so yeah, I like them to cover on that. I, I hope they do, man. I, I think we need some just what something this, big. Man. Game? I hope they come and blow the doors off the next four. Seven thirty game. Yeah, go ahead and I'm, light up. I'm the, here for it. Light up the stadium. Let's let's get it rocking. That's that's it, man. That's it. Well, um, well, Chris, we appreciate the time, man. Always, always great to talk with you. Thank you for coming on and sharing sharing your insight and, and hanging with us and talking dogs. As you know, you're you're just always let me welcome know when to you're ready for us, so. uh, ready uh, to have me back. I'm always always available. Yeah, brother. You got any Italy Everything trips in the future? Down. I don't know. Everything is literally like yeah. Parma is in the orange zone. So my girlfriend lives in Paris, and Paris shut down. Yep. A couple weeks ago, so she left and went back oh, to Italy, man. back home. And as soon as she yeah. gets there, now like Florence is locked down, Rome's locked down. You have Parma in the orange zone, which basically means you can go around like your city, but you can't leave to go yeah. to like Milan or anywhere else. So it's um everything's locked down over there again. So. Oh, it's tough, man. That was my question. I was going to ask you when the last time you guys had gotten to see each other. So I'm guessing I actually not. Actually, went to. I was in. Um, I went to Paris in August. So oh, I, nice. Yeah, the whole. Okay, I'll, the whole lockdown thing is not like travel ban. I guess is not really true. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but I literally got on a flight. I did not have a COVID test or anything. I got on a plane. And I flew from Atlanta to Boston, and my connection was in Portugal. Okay. Portugal, they literally just looked at my passport, let me ride in. As I'm getting on the plane in Portugal, they're like, hey, you have to have a negative COVID test. I was like, well, can I get it when I arrive? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I fly to <laughs> so, so, like, I'm already in the EU. And next thing you know, like, I was supposed to have one when I went to Portugal, but for some reason they didn't check me. Then they didn't check me when I got to Paris either. And I was like, I booked my flight the day before and I literally got to Paris and they checked my passport. Everybody was allowed in. Like no one said anything to me. I didn't have to go through any kind of crazy, like anything. It was wild. That's, that's wild. So was it the same way coming back? Like no, no issues? No, I got, I got questioned more coming back. Then when I went over there, like, I mean, they didn't ask me a single question. Like I handed my passport to the lady in Paris and she looked at it and said, well, I <laughs> handed it back to me. And then on my way home, I flew through Amsterdam. So I left Paris and went to Amsterdam to come back to the States. And when I got to go through customs in Amsterdam, the guy started questioning me like, 
where have you been? Like, how long were you there? What were you doing here? Like, and I was like, well, now I'm going home. So <laughs> right. me out of the EU yeah. anyway. So, like, I mean, and they got mad because the kid in front of me had actually overstayed his visa. And so, uh -oh. like, he actually got in trouble. But when I told him I'd been there for, like, and that's another thing. He goes, well, why are you here? Like, da-da-da. And so, because I, I actually, like, I didn't use it. But I told him, I was like, oh, I'm here for work. And he was like, oh, okay. And just let me yeah. go, like, get on the plane. I mean, I just, they didn't ask me for any kind of documentation. They didn't ask me for anything. I was like, this travel ban is literally false. And I've had other friends, obviously now, because this was kind of before back up. COVID yeah, started yeah. ramping back up. But um, like now you must, like they literally check you yeah. before you can even get a ticket. But um, so I've had two or three buddies who don't have visas. They don't have like just traveling passport to Germany and Italy and other places. They've been let in right in. So I guess the travel ban is not really exactly what everybody thinks it is. I mean, yeah. been, all of us could have been just been lucky, but yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so my brother went to the the Bama game and said, like, you know, every place has been different. Like, when we went to the Florida game, they were actually pretty stringent about, like, masks and stuff at the stadium. Um, they didn't make us wear them in our seat or anything, but if you got up to, like, go to the bathroom or go get a drink or whatever, I mean, the, the ushers were on you. And I think part of that was probably it's an NFL stadium, so I'm sure there's some more eyeballs on it. Um, but – Tailgating was pretty normal. Well, normal is not the right word because you know how it is down there for cocktail yeah. party week. It certainly wasn't that. Um, but we we hung out with some Georgia fans, and, and that was good. Um, but he said at Alabama it was way more – I don't know if lax is the right word, but he just said that the ushers oh, weren't, no. like, giving you grief as long as you weren't, like, right up on people and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's obviously been an interesting thing. And um, I will say this, from a football watching perspective, not a terrible thing to have three rows essentially to yourself. <laughs> no, I'm sure that was probably awesome. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it's almost like going to a spring game. Yeah, that, so it's funny you say that. That's what um, that's what my brother had described the Alabama game as. He's like, you know, it kind of reminded me of G-Day. Like some atmosphere and obviously like yeah. more music and they're pumping in noise. But he said, you know, it's not like deafening or you didn't feel like it was affecting play per se or anything like that. So. Yeah, man. It's wild times. Well, um, well, look, brother, it's always great to see you. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again soon. Maybe you come, maybe you come back for, for the belt presentation after you go there eight and two go. this week. I'm feeling I'm good about you going Except eight going and two. So. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. I'm good with that. Shoot. If you go 10 and up, maybe and I go like nine and one, I think we lined up on a lot of picks. So I'm all right with that. Well, Hey, uh, you take care of yourself, go Chris, and go dogs, we'll brother. All right, man. See you, bud. Hey, George is better now.